In tonight's presentation, we're going to learn about signs that Jesus gave that indicate that his return is just around the corner. Some of these signs could never be fulfilled before our day. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the End of Time series. My name is Sharissa Tarosian, and I'm so excited that you are joining us tonight. We are coming to you live from the East Coast of Australia. And before Lyle shares a very good presentation, I'm sure, in just a few moments, we wanted you to know that we're coming to you live because we want to invite you to join us by interacting with us. And uh, right now, you may be watching on our website, theend.digital. You might be viewing through through YouTube or even our Facebook page. Some of you are listening on radio. But if you're online, then you can actually send in your comments and questions through the comments section on those Facebook page, the YouTube channel and our website. And we have moderators who are sending those questions through to me here so that after Lyle's presentation, we'll be able to address those questions to Lyle in our Bible study time. So I don't want to take up any more time. Let's hear tonight's presentation. Nation will rise against nation. There will be droughts, pandemics, and earthquakes. When these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption is near. How soon is the end? is a question that many are asking and trying to predict at a time when change in our world is accelerating at an out-of-control pace, never experienced before by humanity. Technology is moving ahead at warp speed, driven by the availability of more information that has ever existed, which in turn is being driven by the ever-increasing availability of that information at a few simple clicks. Currently, Every 24 hours, we are creating 2.5 quintillion pieces of data. That's 2.5 with 18 zeros after it, and it continues to roll at an ever-increasing rate. Now, I thought everyone was on the internet by 2016. After all, I'd visited some very remote parts of the world where subsistence farmers were living 100% traditional lifestyles with nothing artificial except for the steel blades of their machetes, and their smartphones. But between 2016 and 2019, the number of internet users increased by 83%, with no other form of technology having received anything like the similar global uptake. Can it even grow any further? Back in 2016, we were only creating 44 billion gigabytes per day. Now we're creating 463 billion gigabytes with no end in sight to the amount of information we can generate and consume. Not only do we know more than ever, but we are more connected to more people than ever before. Social media is by far the biggest driver of new content on the internet. Approximately a third of the world uses Facebook on a regular basis. When you factor in the too young, the too old, the too disabled, that's a massive chunk of our planet. Four years' worth of video recording is uploaded to YouTube every hour. The future for progress and a better world has never been brighter than right now. Machines do work for us in minutes that once took years and have created a level of efficiency that wasn't even dreamt of a few decades ago. 
But with all this information, technology, efficiency, and apparent connectedness, is the world becoming a better place? Are we about to enter a nirvana-like new age of enlightenment, peace and prosperity? Do we really have the tools to, say, to solve our world's problems through increased knowledge and machines? Will a thousand years of peace in the Bible be accomplished by technological advancement and increased civilization? Well, let's see how well we're progressing. In the 10 years leading up to COVID, depression increased by a staggering 18.5% according to, to the World Health Organization. An example of this is the United States, which reached an 11% depression rate in the years leading up to COVID. Since COVID, that number has jumped to 42% of the United States population suffering with depression. Amongst young adults, that number is 75%, with one in four having considered suicide in the last month. Now, those are truly alarming figures. Many are asking, if life is so good for our generation, why are we killing ourselves? What has gone so drastically wrong with our species that we are self-destructing so badly? And not just ourselves, but our offspring. We take the lives of a quarter of our unborn children, all to make the world a better place for the children we do save. But after decades of this practice, we are neither wealthier nor happier as a society. Others are desperately looking for answers and solutions in fads of various kinds. Ten years ago, there was one gender clinic servicing the entire United States. Now there are over 300. And this is not being driven by a cross-section of ages and genders, as would be expected if this was the result of the normalisation of the trans experience. It's being driven by teen girls. Before 2007, gender dysphoria was unknown amongst this demographic. Now we have the social contagion of young girls dealing with the insecurity of changing bodies and social pressures, receiving permanent, life-altering chemical and surgical procedures on their own recognizance, no parental permission required, no psychologist, psychologist or psychiatrist recommendation needed, nothing more than a self-diagnosis from something as simple as Dr. Google. It's all that's required. And these operations have increased at a rate of 4,400% among teen girls, while remaining relatively unchanged amongst other groups. This social contagion has resulted in some girls' schools reporting 30% of their Year 7 students as transgender. Predictably and tragically, up to 90% of those who, those who choose to up to 90% of them choose to detransition. And many are then condemned to live their lives without breasts or the possibility of having children. To think that we approve medical procedures with such a high failure rate in an era when information is so easily obtainable is a tragedy beyond imagination. How did we reach a point where we won't allow a child to buy a can of spray paint or a pocket knife, but we do allow them to permanently change their gender? Now think about how we have squandered the resources that all this advancement has made available to us. It'd be no surprise to know that the United States is the greatest user of fossil fuels on a per capita basis, with 66,525 megawatt hours used per person. What you may not know 
is that Australia ranks a close second, coming in at 64,592 megawatt hours per person. But how much of this irreplaceable resource have we squandered over the last 100 years in killing each other? The number's hard to pin down, but we know that the United States alone, on average, uses as much fossil fuel each year. The United States military alone uses as much fossil fuel each year as Norway and Sweden combined. You really have to question how wealthy our world would, would be right now without the wars of the last 100 years. And while we're considering armed conflict, let's take a moment to think about how laws have changed in recent times. If I'd come to you just the Christmas before last and told you that within months here in Australia, you would need to be able to produce a valid reason just to step outside your front yard, or that you'd struggle to buy toilet paper, you would have called me the wildest conspiracy theorist on the planet. But look at what a global pandemic was able to accomplish in a matter of weeks. And what would you have thought if I told you that within 12 months a law would be passed under which you could be extradited to Victoria and imprisoned for merely accepting someone's sincere prayer request and acting on it? Now, of course, this terrible piece of legislation is not just bad for religious liberty, but tragically, tragically it strips the LGBT plus and transgender community of choice as well. Or what if I told you that as a parent, a law would be passed that your neighbour could report you for having a conversation with your child explaining to them what their gender was based on science. And as a result of that report by your neighbour, you could lose your children and serve a prison sentence. Well, it's all happened. And now on top of that, here in New South Wales, in the last 24 months, we went from the worst drought on history to the worst bushfires on record to floods to a global pandemic, to a mouse plague of truly apocalyptic proportions, back to record-breaking floods, and finally more lockdowns. Are we becoming normalised to living in crisis mode? Now, we fight hard for women and children to be protected from abuse, and yet it seems the harder we fight that battle, the worse it gets. Maybe because we do nothing to stop the causes of that abuse. In fact, society seems to do the opposite. We left bottle shops open while we closed churches. And at the age when children should be playing with Legos, instead they are watching violent, selfish, misogynistic, hardcore pornography and being told that's normal by some school teachers. Last year, porn sites received more website traffic than Twitter, Instagram, Netflix, Zoom, Pinterest and LinkedIn combined. In one year, 2019, on one porn site, 665,000 years worth of porn was consumed. That's more than 100 times the age of our world, and this took place over 42 trillion site visits. And the latest research indicates that 22% of porn is consumed by under 10-year-olds, and yet 75% 75 of parents still somehow think that their children isn't looking at porn. How do we ever expect to solve the problem of abuse? While we allow the internet to groom our children to be victims who then grow up to be abusers. We're facing a civilization that rather than being a society with traumatized people, is a traumatized society. What will that look like in the next decade? Now at this point, you might think that I'm the most negative person on the planet, but I'm not. I'm actually filled with hope for a very bright future indeed. And in the very near future, 
You see, all that is taking place in our world right now is exactly what Jesus said would be taking place just before he returns. Thinking men and women of all classes are observing the strained, restless nature of our world at this time and are recognising that something great and decisive is about to take place. Students of the Bible know and recognise that time is about to end, that Jesus is about to return. You see, out of all those who predict the end of humanity, whether they're evolutionists or mystics or prophets, the Bible is is unique in that it predicts a very bright future full of hope with promises of joy and peace in a world made new with Jesus, establishing a government of love. And I want to add that these are promises that can be trusted, for how else could Jesus have predicted the exact condition of our world right now? Let's take a moment to look at some of those predictions and promises. Wow, Lyle, that was an epic uh rendition of all the facts that are happening today in our world and it's not a pretty picture well i only just covered the surface just scratched the surface really we could talk about so many more things and maybe we'll get time to do so as we go all right well i'm so glad that we're going to look at what the bible has to say and if you enjoyed tonight's uh, presentation so far we also want to remind you that there is a free offer connected with each presentation and tonight's one it's entitled the global reset and if you'd like to obtain your free offer you just simply have to text the word sign to our number which as you can see it on your screen, it's 0428-833-386. And I'll plug it again as we go through this. But Lyle, let's um, get into the Bible. Yeah, let's look at some of these Bible um, passages. Yeah, because I know that uh, you're excited about this and I am too. I've been, I've been waiting for it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go maybe to Matthew. Sorry, Malachi. I'll go okay. to Malachi first and I want to go to Matthew next. But Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. And I'll just read it. I'm going to be moving pretty quick. So feel free to grab a Bible, take notes if you'd like to or just watch later. And just send in those questions. Just yes. start sending them now. I'm glad you reminded me. Please send the questions in. I will look at these and uh, we will give them to Lyle uh, as I receive them. But here's the, where we'll start. Malachi chapter 4 verses 5 and 6 says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers. And I'm asking you this because why is this message such so important? and to be given such an emphasis before the return of Jesus. You know, it's one of those, it's one of those passages that I often wondered about, you know, why, why have this, you know, emphasis on the family? You know, families are always great, families are together. I did not realise just how vicious the attacks would come against the family as the Bible outlines it the nearer we get to the end of time. The traditional biblical family is under attack right now. And so this message, God says, this is a message that's going to be critical just before Jesus comes back. Why? Because families are being torn apart. So true. In Luke chapter 17, verses 28 through 30, uh, Jesus said this, Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, even thus it shall be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And then he went on to say in Matthew 24, I was getting there. Yes. Matthew 24, verse 37, he said, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So what is so significant about these two Bible stories? The days of of Noah and the days of Lot. Okay, I want you to think about something here. The Bible says in relationship to the days of Noah, uh, if you go to uh, Genesis chapter uh, 6 and verse 5, it says wickedness, the wickedness of man was great and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. 
The challenging thing about this particular passage is that we're living in a world in which that's the direction that our world is being driven by the media that we are consuming every day. Then the Bible says, as it was in the days of Lot. The days of Lot were renowned for abuse, immorality, rape, you know, violent attacks. That was the days of Lot. This is a major theme that we have in our world right now that we are trying to deal with. We are, we are seeing the destruction of the family. We are seeing abuse running rampant in our world. And the Bible says that this, these are the kinds of things that will be happening just before Jesus comes back. And I think Jesus said this again a little bit differently in Matthew 24 and verse 12, where he said, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. So yes. that's saying the same thing differently. That's right. We talked about depression a little bit earlier and the high rates of depression. And a lot of this comes around, comes about as a lack of social connectedness. Mm-hmm. We are more digitally connected than ever before, but we are less socially connected when we ever have. And of course, that leads to depression. When it leads to depression, it you know, the love of many. Relationships will grow cold. The Bible says there will be less relationships at the end of time. That's exactly what we're seeing in our world at this time. So true. All right, I'm going to go to our questions from our viewers. We really Oh, good. We've got some questions coming through. Yeah, we have uh, quite a few coming through here. So this one is from Jill in Oz. It's from YouTube. Welcome. Uh, Lyle, do you believe that we are close to the end of grace or does that only happen once we are raptured? Oh, that's a really good question. Okay. Um, First of all, what I believe is irrelevant. It's what the Bible says that is truly relevant. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) The Bible also says that in in Hebrews chapter 4 that we are to come boldly to the throne of grace that we might find help in time of need. The question here is, are we near to the end of grace? In other words, will there be a time when grace runs out? So if we go to Hebrews, let's go to Hebrews. We'll look at some verses here very quickly. Hebrews 4, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Well, where is the throne of grace? We go to Hebrews chapter 8. The Bible says, now this is the thing. Now, this, now the things which we have spoken, this is the summary. We have a great high priest who is sitting on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens. The throne of grace is where Jesus sits beside the Father a minister of the temple, the sanctuary, the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. Jesus is sitting on the throne, the throne of grace there in the temple in heaven where he ministers on our behalf. Now, our our, our listener here, our our watcher here has come up with something very interesting. And when does this all come to an end? Watch this in Revelation chapter 15. Just before the seven last plagues fall, Okay, so if you've got questions about this and you think I'm going too fast, then simply text the word chat and we will give you a call and we can talk about this in more detail. Maybe we can do a Bible study on the seven plagues. We'll see. Anyway, 15 verse 8, just before the plagues start, the Bible says the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power and no man was able to enter into the temple until the seven plagues were fulfilled. Okay, so here's here's what we have. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace. That's where Jesus is. That's where he's mediating for us. Then the Bible says that just before the plagues fall, that the temple will be filled with smoke. There's no longer any access there. Mm. Some people get worried about that. Like, oh, no, how how am I going to be without Jesus? The Bible says, and never forget this, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
So just because Jesus is not in the temple does not mean he is not with you. And that's what's important because I know that whenever Jesus is with me, I have safety. Amen. But that's when grace ends, mm -hmm. just before the plagues. All right. We'll do one more here and yes. then we'll go back to the Bible study uh, on the other side. So this one's coming from a Facebook viewer, uh, Blair, and he's asking, we are seeing many attacks on freedom on religion, freedom of conscience, uh, liberty issues with COVID, etc. Are these challenges to freedom foretold in Bible prophecy? Okay, so the Bible says in Revelation chapter 13 that at the end of time, uh, this will take place. And, and, and when you listen to this, and, and, and it will do your head in. Uh, the Bible says he had power to give life to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast would both speak and force as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he forces all, small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. The Bible says there will, that religious liberty will go out the window as we get closer to the end of time. That's the simple reality. And so, yes, when we see religious liberty being eroded in the laws that are being enacted right now, whether it's with COVID or with anything else that is happening, we see precedents being set up that students in the Bible recognize are stepping stones. And some of these are just small stepping stones, some of them subtle, but they are stepping stones to further reductions in religious liberty that will actually bring about what we are reading right here. Now, I read this and people are like, no, that's, that could never happen. But yeah, if I'd have come to you two Christmases ago and said, you know, within a few weeks, you won't be able to leave your front yard without a valid reason that you can give to the police. You would have told me that could never happen. Mm -hmm. Look how fast it did. There's a lot of things happening in 2021 we didn't think would be happening. Um, back to Matthew chapter 24. Yes, let's go back there. Uh, Jesus says, to, well, the disciples come to Jesus privately in verses 1 to 4, and they say to Jesus, tell us what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? And then Jesus says to them, basically, take heed, first off, that no one deceives you. Yes. So the first question we need to ask is, what is this deception all about? Okay, so um, there are a lot of things that we could talk about in relationship to this deception right here. And I'm going to read a couple of uh, snippets from Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. The Bible says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in righteousness. Mm -hmm. So the Bible says there will be an effort by humans to... Unrighteousness. Sorry, so suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> Changes the meaning. <laughs> <laughs> it does indeed. This is how you know we're live. <laughs> Okay, suppress the truth in unrighteousness. I want you to think about that for a moment because truth in our world today has become intolerable. Mm. And because truth has become intolerable, we've thrown science out the window, that's long gone, and now it's come down to your truth, my truth, and whatever I think about myself is now my reality. There's your reality, there is my reality, I've created my own reality, I create who I am, I am my own creator in my own mind. That's the world we live in right now. And it goes on and it says this, Because they did not know God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. It's not hard to see that in our world right now. We see, we see things happening that are truly bizarre. And you just think, how does that even happen? You know, how do, how do you ban someone from going to the Olympics, and rightfully so for using cannabis, and then accept males, to, biological males to compete against women. Mm. 
I just, anyway, and change the glory of God into the, the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And this is what is happening right now. We have made ourselves God. Mm. We have said, no, we're not going to deal with God's truth. We'll deal with our truth, my truth. Mm-hmm. And, my, and everybody's truth is different from everybody else. And so now there is no longer anything that is right and wrong. And it's no longer, you know, politically correct to ever call anything right or wrong because everybody has their own truth because they are their own God. That is so true. And so I feel like the Bible is just talking about today. Um, it is. It is talking, it is talking about, about today. But um, is there anything else you'd like to add to this picture of today that the Bible's putting Oh, in? there's so many more verses here. Um, have we got any more questions come through from our we, listeners we yet? Do. We probably should um, uh, look at a few of those. Just before I go to them, I just want to remind you to, if you want to take up tonight's free offer, it's this booklet here called, um, well, you can text it up. <laughs> You can get it by texting the word sign to the text number you see or the phone number you see on the screen. This is very live tonight. Uh, but, yes, you can obtain this. Now, 0428-833-386 for all of our Faith FM radio listeners. Excellent. So this one's from Zion. Yes. He's nine years old. He's, oh, go Zion. Yeah, Zion's watching through Facebook. And he asks, so do we, all, do we know all the signs that shows that Jesus is coming soon? Yes, um, okay, so the answer there very simply is that the Bible gives a lot of signs. I've only scratched this. You and I are only going to scratch the surface of them this evening. Mm-hmm. What is significant is that many of these signs, you know, they've kind of happened down through the centuries. But when it comes to the signs right now, you have them all taking place simultaneously mm. for the first time ever in history. That's significant. Jesus says this about the signs in Matthew 24. Uh, I think it's verse 9, 8 or 9. He says they'll be like labor pains that a woman experiences when she goes into labor. So my wife and I, we have, uh, we have two sons. So I've kind of been there and seen it and learned some things from it. And uh, labor pains work a little bit like this. For those of you who might be unfamiliar with it, they start off kind of far apart and then they get closer and closer and closer together. Then they start off kind of intense, sort of kind of weak, and then they get more and more and more intense. And then you go through pain to a blessed experience of love. Jesus says the signs will be like that. Mm -hmm. And so when you see them all happening simultaneously, when you see them getting closer together, when you see them increasing in intensity, you know Jesus is coming soon. And you can take any of the signs of the times, any of the ones that we mention here in the Bible, and put them on a graph. And you'll find that they have, over the last hundred years, been forming an inexorably climbing, steep J-curve going straight up. All right. So in answering that question, you actually also answered Lawson's question. (laughs) Uh, Lawson is joining us through Facebook. Welcome. He asked, do those natural disasters in Australia that Lyle mentioned represent an increase or continuation? And it's both, really. Like, yes, yes. Natural disasters have always been around. And, you know, that brings us to a passage in Matthew chapter 24 that we probably should reference. Okay. Um, because I did reference uh, briefly the natural disasters we had here in New South Wales. And I'm sure wherever you're listening to from wherever you are in the world, and I notice on here, we've got people all over the world who are tuning in. So God bless you all. Um, but you'll have a list similar to what I had. Mm-hmm. Matthew 24, it says, 
let me see here. Nation will rise against nation. Verse 7. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and pandemics and earthquakes in diverse places. Mm. Pestilences in the Old King James Version. Ah, excellent. Another word for pandemics. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go back to our Bible study. Yes. Um, we've been going through and did you want to talk about scoffers? Yeah, why don't we talk about that? Yeah. Because this is a really interesting one. Um, Peter talks about this, and this is from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 to 5. It says, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. So we're dealing with the end of time. Walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget that the word of God that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. I find this fascinating because the Bible says at the end of time that people will scoff over the return of Jesus Christ and that scoffing will be based on the principle of uniformity. The principle of uniformity is the foundation of the evolutionary theory and it simply says all things continue as they were from the beginning. Jesus knew exactly what would happen in the last couple of hundred years of the history of our planet and he outlined the foundation of the evolutionary theory which has taken over our world right now. Mm. So we shouldn't be surprised at these things. We shouldn't. Uh, in Revelation chapter 11, verse 18, yes. the Bible here says this, the nations were angry and the time of the dead that they should be judged and destroy those who destroy the earth. Lyle, could this prophecy have ever been fulfilled before our time? I referenced this at the beginning and I said we'd talk about prophecies that couldn't be fulfilled before now. It's an absolute impossibility for this prophecy right here to have ever been fulfilled before our day. And the reason is, yes, the nations are angry and we could talk about that and maybe we should in just a moment. But the Bible goes on to say that God will destroy those who destroy the earth. The simple reality is we have never had the capability of destroying our earth before right now. And right now, not only do we have the capability of destroying our earth, we're doing a very fine job of it. <laughs> we are. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, yes. verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, You know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Yes. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. So what's the number one topic that people are talking about right here? Okay, if you combine that with the last yeah. verse that we just read, you've got um, the nations were angry yes. and everybody's talking about peace and security. Like, is that what's happening right now? Exactly what's happening. You know, you can go back to 9-11. I'm old enough to remember 9-11. And you go back to 9-11 and that was probably the time when we, 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 we kind of traded freedom for security. And ever since then, security and safety has been kind of like what we have served. Mm. Really true. All right. Going back to some questions from our viewers. Thank you for sending them through. Uh, this one's from YouTube. And Priesty 77. Question, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. With this in mind, is it possible that Matthew 24 verse 12, where it says the love of many shall wax cold, is referring to Christians rather than the world? Yeah, this is a really interesting question. If we go back to um, Matthew chapter 24, when Jesus begins this passage, he says here, Watch out in verse 4 that no one deceives you. We read that earlier. Mm -hmm. So that can only apply to Christians 
because the world is already deceived. This is a message definitely here for Christians, absolutely. And God recognizes that at the end of the at the end of time, our relationships are going to be under just as much attack as everybody else's, and love will grow cold, depression will rise, relationships will fall apart. More and more and more so the nearer we get to the return of Christ. And I might add to that our love, our connection with God, which is our most important of all of those relationships. Mm. Amen. Uh, This one's from Paraphrase in YouTube. And it's what is the most compelling prediction in the Bible regarding the condition of the world at the end of time? Okay, so I'm going to go to Daniel chapter 12. Oh, okay. Daniel chapter 12. And... uh, I was going to keep this one for the Bible study, but somebody asked me uh, what I see as the most compelling prediction. This is the one that I see as the most compelling. In verse 4, the Bible says, But you, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book till the time of the end. Many will run to and fro. I'm reading from the old King James Version because I just love it. Uh, Many will run to and fro. In other words, they'll be traveling backwards and forwards. And knowledge will be increased. We began by talking about the increase of knowledge. Now, in this passage right here, in context, it is specifically speaking about knowledge of the book of Daniel. Mm. And the book of Daniel is all about the end of time. So the Bible says there's going to be an increase of knowledge about the end of time. And as a result of that, people are going to travel all over the world and spread the message of the book of Daniel all over the world. Now, the simple reality is that without the increase of knowledge in the technological world, we can't have people spreading the knowledge of the book of Daniel all over the world. That's true. You can't separate those two from each other. That's an impossibility. People sometimes try and do, and they're like, oh, this has got nothing to do with technology. No, technology is how we are actually fulfilling this prophecy right here. And so, you know, you think about it right now. Uh, 30 years ago, where we'll be able to sit here in a room like this and have people from literally every part of the globe watch a presentation on the signs that Jesus is coming back. Mm-mm. And we can have people, I haven't even looked on the screen here yet to see where all those countries are coming, you know, people are, are watching from. But I know from past the end.digital programs that we've done, you've know, got people from places like Iran. Try going there and preaching this message in public and see how long you get on. That's right. I've been to Iran. It's a, it's a bit of a crazy place. Beautiful country. See, what you're saying, Lyle, is what's happening right now is part of the science of the end. Yes. The explosion of knowledge and technology is enabling us to literally explode in getting the knowledge of the Bible it's out to the world. very exciting. And it's, and it's just going at a rate that we can't even begin to imagine keeping up with. Absolutely. Back to our Bible study. Yes. Time is on the march and we don't want to reach the end of time before we do <laughs> yeah, no. So what you did there. Uh, yeah. So Luke 21, yes. verses 25 and 26, Jesus said amongst the signs, he said, there will be signs on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. What is the heavens? That the heavens here about? is the atmosphere. Okay. The Bible speaks about three heavens in, 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 Bible, in the Bible. You've got the atmospheric heavens is the first heavens. The Bible says there's three. The atmospheric heavens is the first heavens. The starry heavens is the second one. Paradise where God lives is the third one. Paul speaks about you know, being in vision, being caught up to the third heaven. That's paradise. That's where God lives. He has a vision of the throne room of God. 
And so this is talking about the powers of heaven, the powers of the atmosphere being shaken. Mm. Yeah, this is so controversial in our world right now. You've got people on this side and people on that side and they're arguing over, you know, whether our environment is falling apart because of, you know, our use of fossil fuels and CO2 and all of this kind of stuff. Well, I just read my Bible and my Bible says that that's what's going to happen at the end of time. The atmosphere is going to be in deep trouble and the sea and the waves roaring. Well, we do see that from time to time, you know, with the increase of earthquakes that we have had and tsunamis in recent times. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to go to some questions. Okay. I feel like I need a seatbelt on. This is such a fast (laughs) That's right. Uh, I'm just looking at the clock here. How much time have we got for questions? All right, right, let's go. So I'm just going to go back here because I missed one before. This is from David Spain. And actually, I think um, David's been joining us. Yes, David's faithful here on the N.Digital. Good to have you back, David. Welcome back to the Back to the program. David asks, how are we to interpret Matthew 24, verse 30 in everyday physical terms? What material phenomena might we expect to witness? So I'll just go there. Yes. Do you want me to read it for you? Sure, why not? Uh, It says here, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Okay. So as far as, I mean, this is just one verse, mm-hmm. uh, the sign of the Son of Man, you have a, you know, uh, the Bible says that as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even under the west, that's verse 27, so shall the Son of Man mm-hmm. be. And so, you know, we can imagine it as coming from a spot on the horizon, mm-hmm. you know, like a small cloud the size of man's hand and then just expanding over the whole horizon. Wow. Um, then the Bible says, then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And when I initially read that, I'm thinking, how could that be possible? How could people ever mourn about the return of Jesus? And then I remember the tragedy that there are so many that have not made that surrender to Jesus. And it's such a simple thing to do, guys. And it's so good. Why hold back? The Bible says they will see the Son of Man. So that's the next thing. We will physically see Jesus with our own eyes. The Bible says every eye will see him. Mm. Uh, the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now, when it comes to the power and the glory, I don't know what's going to be involved in that. I'm just looking forward to seeing it. You know, if you compare this with Matthew chapter 25, which is the same, the same sermon, in verse 31 it says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him. Now, we don't know how many angels there are, but we know that they are beings of unimaginable power. Mm -hmm. And we know that there are at least a few hundred million. And when they all turn up in one place at one time, that's going to be epic. It will. It really will. If you want to know more about this, by the way, just, David, just a note right here. Tune in, not tomorrow night, the night after, and we are going to go into your question. I wrote a whole presentation on your question. Excellent. I can't wait for that one. Yes. (laughs) And a whole bunch more. But Yes. Yeah. All right. So uh, this is from Kerry on Facebook, and they ask, when will the rapture occur? Um, On Tuesday. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The answer to that is found right here in Matthew chapter 24. Yes. And the Bible says, uh, verse 36, But of that day and hour knows no man, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So that's what the Bible says. And if the Bible says that Jesus didn't even know the 
time or the hour back then, then I'm not going to try and know something that Jesus didn't even know. I will say this, and just in answer to possibly an unspoken question by some of our listeners, the word rapture is not a word that we often use in the English language today. Unless you're a Christian, it's one of those Christianese words. It simply means to be taken up. And so when will Jesus come back so that we can be taken up to be with him? That's, that's the simple way of describing the rapture. All right. Thank you, Lyle. Uh, this one's coming from Robert. He's a YouTube uh, viewer as well. And I can see he's, I know him. Okay. Uh, oh, good. I think I've nice seen Robert before. Here. <laughs> he's from overseas. Welcome, Robert. Question, is fear something we should have because of what's ahead? If not, how should we handle ourselves in such situations? Yes, it's one of those things, you, you know, you, re- you read what these signs of the times right here and it's like, oh, wow, I'm not so sure about that. Mm. You know, the Bible has a wonderful promise. And for anybody out there that is feeling anxious about what the Bible says this evening, I want to share this promise with you. And it's found in Psalms 91. Psalms 91 is a, it's a poem, it's a song, it's a prophecy, and it is all about the end of time. And it's about the experience of God's people at the end of time. And uh, so here's my homework for you all this evening. My homework is go home and read Psalms 91. Dwell on it. Meditate on it. I guess, well, you're probably already home, but for those of you who are at watch parties, go home. (laughs) Uh, We go over to Psalms chapter 91 and, you know, there's some some just fantastic uh, gems right here. Let me read for you. He that lives in the secret place of the Most High will hide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's where we can hide at the end of time from all of the trouble, all of the strife that is coming on our world. It goes on to say, you know, a thousand shall fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but no plague is coming anywhere near you. Mm, amen. Yeah, there's some, pretty, there's some pretty heavy stuff in the Bible yeah. in relationship to those things that will happen just before Jesus comes back. But remember, it's like the birth pains. You go through pain that's kind of intense to a blessed experience of unimaginable love. You know, Lyle, as you were just sharing that, another verse came to mind, the words of Jesus in Luke 21, verse 28 as well. He said, now when you see these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Yeah, isn't that great? Yeah. In other words, don't become discouraged about it. Don't be a Debbie Downer. Don't be like, oh, you know, this is so terrible and all the rest. And that's why I said, some people, when I start these presentations, some people are like, whoa, that's pretty heavy. That's pretty negative stuff. Uh, No, this has actually got a silver lining of epic proportions. Mm, Amen. Look, uh, time is running, but we're going to take another one here. Okay. And it's kind of not a question. It's a comment from someone on YouTube who obviously um, doesn't really agree with everything. And they just said, the Bible is a load of rubbish. Okay. So what would we say? Like, how, what would you say to someone who thinks? Yeah, well, this is, this is the challenge that I'd throw out to somebody um, who feels that way. And I understand that. I respect that. Not everybody has to agree with, you know, what's being presented here on, on, on the end.digital. Mm-hmm. The Bible is unique. Let me share with you something that is unique about the Bible. It's a pretty thick book, you know. By anybody's standards, that's going to take you a while to read through from one end to the other. I don't know that. Have you ever tried to sit down and read it in one sitting? I haven't done it in one sitting. What was the shortest amount of time it took you to read it, do you think? Uh, It took me a year to get through the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. so there you go. It's a a decent-sized book. A third of this book, a third of this book right here, is made up of predictive prophecy. Find me any other book anywhere in the Bible, in in the world that makes that claim on that level. 
And then what you're going to find here is that 99% of all of the prophecy in this book right here has already been fulfilled, is historically verifiable. You can go back and you can check it for yourself. And if you don't believe me, you need to tune in here tomorrow night and uh, jump on the website tomorrow night to watch tomorrow night's show because I'm going to show you just one. We're gonna, out, out of all of those pages, I'll show you one page of prophecies, detailed prophecies, accurately fulfilled, right down, you know, over a two and a half thousand year period, right down into our time and into the future. That's tomorrow night's presentation. I challenge anybody who thinks that the Bible is a load of rubbish to come on tomorrow night and say the same thing after hearing that presentation. All right. We look forward to that one, Lyle. Yeah, me um, too. This is the last one I think we'll do from here and then we'll go back to our Bible study. Okay. This is from a YouTube viewer, Danny, and he's asking question, what is the best way to remain undeceived? Best mate, okay, so very simply, um, let me just put this out there. Uh, you need to know your Bible inside out, back to front and upside down because when you know what, when you know what the Bible says, you know what the truth is. Mm. If you know what Sharissa and I say, you may know what the truth is. But if you know what the Bible says, you do know what the truth is. One of the, one of the problems that we have is that too many people listen to whatever the preacher says and they go home and they say, well, that must be true because mm. the preacher said so. no. You need to go back and you need to look at what Sharissa and I have been talking about here this evening and you need to compare it with the Bible for yourself because when you know what the Bible says, then you know what the truth is. Amen. <laughs> Which is a fancy way of saying I agree. Yes, that's a Christian, another, uh, another uh, Christian, Christian lingo yeah. there. But uh, Lyle, Matthew 24, verse 14, the oh, yes. of Jesus again in that epic chapter. He uh -huh. said... And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness, not to some, but to all the nations, and then the end will come. What is this gospel that Jesus was referring to? This gospel is the everlasting gospel. And here what you've got, Jesus says, this gospel will be preached to the whole world, and, the end, and then the end will come. And it's the increase of knowledge and technology that makes that possible and is making it possible right now. Mm. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's no substitute for, you know, sitting down and personally making an appeal to somebody. But, hey, we'd love to be in your home right now this evening. But COVID, <laughs> what do you do? Uh, where are we going? Revelation. So here's what, here's what happens. Jesus prophesies the gospel going to the whole world. John sees that taking place in Revelation. Okay. And in chapter 14, this is what it says. Uh, verse 6, I saw another angel fly in the middle of heaven, having the everlasting gospel. So here's an angel. He has the everlasting gospel to preach to those that live on the earth, to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. So the angel has the everlasting gospel and he's going to preach it. Mm -hmm. All right. The very next word in verse 7 is saying. In other words, if you want to know what the everlasting gospel is, keep reading from here through to the end of verse 13. I'm going to assign that one to you for homework because I don't have time to read all of those verses. But they are epic and they are all about the last message of the good news of Jesus Christ that's going to the, go to the world just before he comes back. But So that's your homework. I'm going to, I'm going to make it short and I'm going to summarise it. Um, with one more. Have we got time for one more go verse? Ahead, go We've got ahead. time for one more. We, 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 we're doing one more anyway. <laughs> Whether we've got time or not. Here we go. Second Peter chapter 3, the Bible says in verse 13, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new earth 
and a new and, and a, sorry, we look for a new earth wherein lives righteousness. That's the promise that Jesus gives to us. And then he says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for these things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. That's the gospel that Jesus offers to you this evening. Jesus comes to you this evening and Jesus says, I can make you ready for everything that's coming in the future. I can make you ready for my return. I can make you pure and spotless. I can take away your sin. I can take away your guilt. I can take away your shame. I can give you peace. That's what Jesus offers to us. And he offers it to us by us surrendering and giving our lives to him. Why won't you make a decision to give your life fully, completely and totally to Jesus this evening? Now, if you want some help with that, maybe it's something new for you, I don't know. Simply text us the word chat. We'll give you a call. We're happy to have a chat, have a conversation and talk to you about what it means to give your life to Jesus Christ or any other Bible subject that you'd like to talk about. Of course, the numbers are? 0428-833-386. And Lyle, uh, not only if they want to chat with us, but also if you would like to take up tonight's free offer, it's this little booklet here. Just text the word SIGN to the same number and we will make sure that we can get this to you. So before we sign out tonight, Lyle, what can we look forward to tomorrow? I've kind of been hinting at this all the way through, haven't I? Okay, so we're going to look at a prophecy that was given two and a half thousand years ago. Uh, it wasn't given to a follower of God. Okay, so that's the interesting thing. It was given to somebody who was a rank pagan. Okay, and uh, it's a prophecy that spans from his time to our time and into the future, but not very far into the future, only just into the future. Mm. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at how it's been fulfilled, 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 fulfilled down through history, fulfilled in ancient history, fulfilled in medieval history, fulfilled in modern history, fulfilled in our day, fulfilled again in the last couple of years. That's what we're looking at tomorrow night. And that prophecy is all about the time of the end. Well, I don't know about you folks, but I'm already excited about tomorrow night's presentation. And thank you, Lyle, for tonight. I've actually really enjoyed that as well. And I want to encourage our viewers uh, to feel free to share this with your friends and encourage others to view it as well. These presentations are going to stay on our website and Facebook page and YouTube channel. So you can come back at any time and watch them and share them. But our time tonight has come to an end. It came to an end rather quickly, but uh, we want to look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Tomorrow night, may God bless you and thank you for joining us. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.